When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to another episode of Steelers Stat Geek. This is Behind the Steel Curtain editor Dave Schofield coming at you again on Thursday morning. It is St. Patty's Day. Uh, don't get me started about that. No, don't expect me to wear green. No, I think it's ridiculous a bunch of people celebrating something that means absolutely nothing to them other than an excuse to do other things. Anyway, sorry. Today is not St. Patrick's Day in my mind. Um, today is... Uh, my best friend growing up, it, it's his birthday. Uh, and for a month and a day, he gets to be a year older than me. Now, when we were younger, that was uh, that that was advantage him. But now, uh, as we get older, that's advantage me. So, uh, happy Thursday. We are rolling into free agency. My goodness, I feel like I've been doing podcasts like crazy. I feel like I've been writing articles like crazy because the Steelers were bigger players than I would say they have ever been in free agency. At the beginning, of course, the Steelers would make their signings and thing as you go. But I mean, the Steelers had two outside signings on day one of just the legal tampering period. I mean, we aren't we aren't even 24 hours into the actual league year. It's just the legal tampering period. But uh, they, they made two outside signings on on Monday, two outside signings on Tuesday. Uh, Then the league year kicks off on Wednesday. I am recording this, obviously, um, on Wednesday evening uh, in order for it to go very, very, very early on Thursday morning. So for all I know, there's more news coming. But the the league year started. The Steelers have made some – they did something they haven't had to do at all, and they always have to do this. This was something that was – this commonplace for the Steelers because they were always up against the salary cap. And that is they were going to have to let players go because of their, their cap hit. Uh, the Steelers didn't have to do that leading up to the new league year, but they did it for on for one player so far, so far. And that was um, offensive tackle Zach Banner. And we'll talk about some things with him as we get going in into uh, the title of this podcast with everything. It's going to be a little bit different today. It's not going to be as much me reciting a bunch of statistics and things like that. I'm going to be, I'm not even going to answer a question till the second half. I know a lot of you have some good questions out there, but some of those great questions are ones that we can answer when the news isn't going fast and furious. So we'll get them at that point. I do. I have a couple things I was going to answer uh, in the second half, just because they're more procedural things that apply to what's going on 
right now in the NFL league year. So I, I, I am going to do that. And it was someone who asked me the questions, not even necessarily for a podcast. Um, and then I said, Hey, I'm going to use it on the podcast. I was like, sure, go ahead. So, um, First, I want to dive into another thing, a couple other things. The Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, they released Zach Banner. They, you know, technically terminated his contract, as they stated. Um, he had one year left. He signed a two-year deal last year. In all, it was worth, you know, it, it was close to $10 million. It was nine point, well, nine point something, <laughs> 9.5, you know, Um but the way it worked out was he, yes, there's a $1.625 million dead money hit, but there's a $5 million cap saving. So right there, the Steelers are going to save $5 million on the cap almost because now another player bumps back up into the top 51. So there's another 825 K that comes out of that. So really it's going to be about $415 that can go for, sorry, four million a hundred and fifty thousand what am I saying dollars that goes right towards uh the, the Steelers having more uh salary cap space now there's a lot I, I got a little bit frustrated today because there's people reporting oh the Steelers have this much cap space oh they have that no no I mean the you can figure out about how much cap space the Steelers have but don't go out there um reporting an irresponsible number um where there's, for example, someone was reporting the number from uh, the very credible site. I never say it right, but SpotRack, S-P-O-T-R-A-C. I don't know if it's SpotRack or SpotRack or how they say it. I just use the site. That's one of the ones I use. I also use over the cap. Uh, but they they quoted their number of, oh, the Steelers had this much cap space. But if, if you take 30 seconds and go to the Steelers page on this website and you scroll to the bottom of their salaries, you see a list of players such as Montrevious Adams, Mason Cole, Miles Killebrew, Arthur Mallette, Mitchell Trubisky, Levi Wallace, six players, six players that they don't have their contracts for. So there's no way that the Steelers have that much salary cap space. They're missing six contracts. And yet everyone's like, oh, they still got seven. No, no. I mean, and if you're going to be someone, I mean, I understand if this is just regular people, but if you're someone like a behind the steel curtain.com, your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers, I would be very frustrated and, and demand it be taken down if someone from our social media team reported a number like that um, out there without putting the context in that it's still missing a bunch of contracts. So uh, you got to be careful when you see those numbers out there floating around. I've constantly been updating them. I still don't have a Miles Killebrew. Uh, I have an estimate for him that I could do, but the reason I've held off on his is because I've got nothing for Arthur Millette. I know he's got a two-year deal, but there has not been anyone that's reported how much he's making over those two years that I can find at all. If you have found a credible source that said that, please reach out to me and let me know because I could get a much better estimate on the salary cap. But, um, you know, that's the, the the part of this whole thing that I've been following is the salary cap side, of course. Um, the Steelers have done well against the cap with all the, with all the players they've brought in. Um, I had that before they released Zach Banner and not counting Miles Killebrew and Arthur Millette that they had about $7.5 million still to the good. Now, another thing that I have to do that I'm, I'm working on this now that we know the Steelers' exact draft picks for this year because the compensatory draft picks, they came out this week. They're, I mean, there's been all kinds of crazy news. So we know that what where the Steelers pick. So based on that, we can figure out how much they're, they're – 
their rookie class is going to cost, assuming they they make those selections. But really, only last year was only the top three salaries, you know, the top three draft picks for the Steelers that ended up counting immediately against the salary cap because any of the others didn't even put their salary in the top 51. They didn't bump anybody out. Therefore, it didn't even hurt the Steelers cap number. And you're like, but wait a second, those players are going to make the team anyway. And that's a question I'm going to answer in the second half. So what I wanted to talk about first is because uh, I'm going to use some numbers to kind of back this up. But my thing is, is how much do we really know about the Pittsburgh Steelers? I mean, we love the Steelers. We're inside. I live and breathe Pittsburgh Steelers. I have an article that goes on the website, at least one, uh, basically two, and some days as many as seven. I think I think I had eight one time articles that I write for Behind the Steel Curtain every day. Holidays, birthdays, it doesn't matter. I'm doing that. The Pittsburgh Steelers are on my mind every day. It's the way it works. It's the nature of the job. You know, then the podcast, everything else. I consider myself, you know, pretty tuned in with the team just for that reason, because that's, that's what I do. So with that, I just want to, I just want to make sure that we understand that, oh, well, why did the Steelers do this? I've had to answer this question a lot. Why did the Steelers do this? Someone said, well, why, why aren't the Steelers moving on this player in free agency? I said, I'll answer this. Okay, I'll answer this. Here you go. First of all, you've got several things that have to happen. First thing, the player has to be interested in coming to Pittsburgh. If the Steelers are not a city they're interested in, if they're not a part of the country they're interested in, you know, some, some players want to stay in certain regions based on family and other things. Um, they, first, they have to be willing to come to Pittsburgh. Maybe they don't like the situation there. Maybe, you know, if you were an outside linebacker, are you going to try to want to go to the Pittsburgh Steelers? We, we saw what happened with that last year with Melvin Ingram, that he just didn't like um, where he was on the depth chart. You know, that's a place that, that you have to worry about. If, if, you're, a, if you're a low-tier defensive lineman, my goodness, Based on who the Steelers could have this year, as long as Stefan Tuitt um, really does return, you're gonna. It's going to be tough to to get on the field versus going somewhere else. There's all these factors that they first have to be willing to go to the Steelers. Then they have to be able to accept the contract in multiple ways. One, the the money that the Steelers are going to give them, and two, the structure that the Steelers use. The Steelers have a basic structure which kind of helps me when I estimate stuff with the salary cap um, that they like to use, that you can estimate some, some things in there. So that's got to be the second thing. Then even if both of those things are true, that if, if you're a player, you've got to think there's one other thing out there. The third factor is, is there one other team that's willing to overplay for this player? Are they willing to overpay for this player? It only takes one. And if you were a player and you met the first two criteria, do you think you'd check around about number three? Probably. So the player has to want to come to Pittsburgh. They have to be able to, to, to be on similar pages with the, with the amount and structure of the contract. And then there has to be no one else that wants to come in and overpay for the player. That's how it works. Um, sometimes the Steelers get lucky and someone doesn't care about it. Someone else is going to overpay. They want to come to Pittsburgh. Those are great situations. They don't happen all the time. So you've got things like that of, of people coming in. But, there, you know, there was a lot of people upset. 
There was going to be a little bit more to this podcast, but of course, since then, Zach Banner has been released. Uh, all we hear is, why is Zach Banner still on this team? Okay, bad news for you. First of all, I love Zach Banner. I do. I love Zach Banner, the man. I got to meet Zach Banner, interview Zach Banner. Zach Banner is a genuinely great person, and I wish nothing but great things for him. Love that guy. Love that guy. I want to see him succeed so much. It, uh, but at the same time, he was the Steelers' highest salary cap hit on offense at the time of his release. Yes, the highest salary cap hit on the Steelers was Zach Banner at $6 million and something. He started one game at tackle in his career and was hurt. That's it. His only other start was the year before at jumbo tight end. So that's all he's been able to do. For him to be your number one salary salary cap hit, for to be able to save $5 million, it was, it was the move that made sense for the Steelers. It really was. You couldn't have him with a higher cap hit than anybody else in the offensive line if he wasn't even going to be in the mix to start or might be in the mix, but you, didn't, you don't even know, especially after what they paid Chute Sikora for, which we'll get to. So that's the deal with Zach Banner. And I want to remind everyone that simply because the Steelers released Zach Banner doesn't mean that he's gone. Most likely he is, and I understand if he wants to go. But also remember Vince Williams last year. Now, that didn't work out because Vince ultimately decided to retire as things got going. But the Steelers released him as a cap casualty. Then they signed him back at a cheaper rate. That's not out of the question. Uh, I wonder if the Steelers uh, tried to maybe redo something with Banner and they couldn't get it done. So they released him. If no one else is really in the market for Zach Banner, I wouldn't be shocked for the Steelers to bring him back um, at a lower rate. If someone else is in the market for Zach Banner, best of luck. I hope you do well, sir. I just hope it's not wearing purple or orange um, because then I then, then I can't say that anymore because I'm too much of a fan. <laughs> anyway, but then the, then the people were outraged with the whole signing of Chooksakora 4 when they saw the, the, the total money in three years and they started to flip out. Of course, as we always say, calm down. This is more of a one-year prove-it deal, which is kind of what Zach Banner got two years straight. And unfortunately, he wasn't. He got he got hurt the first year. It was to prove it. Then last year, he was to prove it and couldn't get back on the field. Uh, just couldn't quite get healthy enough to to do it to where he was a better option than what the Steelers had. If Zach Banner would have been available week one, I think everything shapes up differently. But once Daniel Moore Jr. was on the field and 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 getting playing time it was going to be harder to knock somebody off. That's just the way it works. So everyone's upset. Not everyone, but almost everyone's upset with the whole thing with Chooksakor for the, the salary cap hits very low for the Steelers in the first, for the, for the first year, it was less than Zach Banner. I mean, it's, it's not even $5 million. It's uh it's four, it's four and a third is what it is for the first year. So it's actually a slight, just slightly higher than James Daniels. But both of those guys have a very similar um, structure. Their, their numbers will move up big time in year two and year three. But if they are producing well, then that's they're going to be worth it. Um, the question is, will they be? But the, 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 what I'm ultimately trying to get to is, I know, come on, Dave, get on with it. So many Steelers fans are, they need to do this. They have to do this. Why do they believe in Chooks of Why have they not released Joe Schobert, at least at the time of this recording? Why have they do that with, with these players? I want to just give you a little bit of perspective. Now, 
There's going to be two different types of people out there. You can fall somewhere in between, but I'm going to put you in two main categories. You are either with one, one of those people that really needs to hear this because of your mindset about the Steelers, or you're one of those people that are like, thank you, Dave, that, re, that reassures what I feel as well. But let's look at this. How much do we really know about the Pittsburgh Steelers? Let's say you're, you're, you're really into it. You're crazy. You're going to be every day at training camp. You're going to training camp every day. You're going to watch them practice. Well, I'm going to do some estimation and calculating of some things uh, just to show you how much we actually see the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I'm going to be very, very, very generous with what I'm going to say. Let's say the, let's say um, for the four weeks that that the, the Steelers are in training camp, that's going to include a couple preseason games in there. I'm just rounding it off to four weeks. Let's say the let's say the players only have to be there you know, be doing training camp, whether it's Latrobe or at Pittsburgh, like it was the last two years, let's say it's five days a week. And let's say they're doing eight hour days. Now you're probably laughing at me already because I laugh at that. There is no way these players are only putting in eight hours a day when they're, when they're doing stuff for, for the NFL. No way, no way, but I'm still going to give them eight hour days just to show you how these numbers work. If there's um, a practice open every day for two hours, the only practice that's not open is the day before a preseason game, so there's no. But let's give four hours for a preseason game. Let's say the hour leading up to it when they're in pregame and stuff, if you really want to watch and pay attention, and the three hours of the game. Okay, so we got that. So we have all, all that time. And so rather than say four hours, zero and four, I'm just going to average it out to two, two the day before, two that, like every other day. So for those four, say four weeks of training camp, you're talking five days a week, um, eight hour days. So it's six hours where you don't see the Steelers and what they're doing and what they're working on, not even on the field, but in their meetings and everything else and the workouts and working with, with, I mean, you're, you're, their players are dealing with staff members from the Steelers in one way or the other, whether it be treatment or whether it be strategy, whether it be all those things. So you're talking about six hours a day that the fans don't see and two hours a day they see. This is the most you're going to ever see, and that's training camp. So you're talking about, after those four weeks, you're talking about 120 private hours of preparation and 40 public hours of preparation. So you're talking, you're seeing at training camp, if you see every training camp practice, everything going on, you're talking about seeing 25% of what the Pittsburgh Steelers have to offer. That's assuming eight-hour days and you're at every training camp practice. You're still only seeing 25% of what's really going on. Then look at, look at those two weeks um, from training camp to the start of the season. I rounded them off. It might even be an extra week in there, but I was just trying to try, trying to make this as easy rounded numbers as I could. Um, let's say it's only five days a week then, even though it's you know more six. We'll get to six eventually. And let's say they're only eight-hour days. There's only one preseason game in there that we're going to say we'll give four hours for that one. But other than that, the practices are closed, everything else. The practice leading up to that last preseason game and the week after that preseason game before we start the next week of what we will call the season prep. Um, so I'll, I'm going to count the week before games as those weeks. So um, you've got two weeks, eight hours a day. You're talking about 76 private hours and four public hours. That's only 5% of what's going on with the Steelers. So when you're watching that last preseason game, you're seeing 5% of what these players are doing to prepare for everything that they do. You're only seeing the final 5% of what's going out there. And that's being generous. Then you look at the regular season. I'm not even going to count the bye week. Throw the bye week out. Don't need it. 17 weeks, the week leading up to every game. 
Let's say this, the players are, are going six days a week, eight hours a day. Yeah, they're not going eight hours a day. They're going more. And a lot of times they're still coming in on their days off, but still. So if you're talking about that, even there, if you're the, if you watch the hour pre, if you watch an hour before the game of what the of what the players are doing in the three hours that they're on the field, we're going to make it four hours again. You're seeing four hours a week of what they're doing. Four hours a week. So you're talking about for the season there, they're they're putting in 748 hours that you don't see to 68 hours that you see. That's 8.33% that you actually see. You total all those up for those three things, and you're seeing 10.6% at most of what's going on with the Pittsburgh Steelers if you're watching every training camp practice and every pregame warm-up and every play of every game. That's the best you can do is see 10% of what's going on. And that's saying eight-hour days. They don't do eight-hour days. Let's say they do 10-hour days. 10-hour days. Overall, you change the, those numbers and everything, you're seeing 8.5%. And that's extremely generous of what's really going on with the Pittsburgh Steelers. So we know, oh, but the games really matter. That You're, you're right, but I'm going to answer that um, here av- after we take our break. I'm going to answer that. But um, th- to finish up before we take that break, you also have to realize we don't know the play calls. We don't know the strategy. We don't know someone's responsibility for those plays. And that's, see, that's the problem with PFF. PFF grades a player on what they see when they have no idea what's going into what that player's actual responsibility is other than let me try to dissect what they were supposed to do on this play. Okay, If they actually had the inside information, it would be different. For example, let's say let's say they, they give a ter- you know a zero point zero uh, pass blocking grade to Dan Moore Jr. the first time the Steelers played the Browns. But for all you know, he did exactly what the Steelers wanted him to do on every single play, and yet you say he failed miserably every one. He could have been doing exactly what they asked him to do. He could have been saying, "Hey, we just want you to do this at one on one on Miles Garrett." You know, write him out. We're going to step. We're going to specifically design everything this way, so we don't have to give you help, and yet we don't have to worry about Miles Garrett. Because guess what? If that's what the Steelers did, it worked. Because Miles Garrett didn't do squat, and yet somehow he was PFF's defensive player of the week when he almost got there so many times, but yet had like no statistics at all because he didn't actually fully come through and do anything to impact the game. So that's why it's so important to know exactly what's going on. So I know the first part here is, is going a little bit long, but what I want to say is let's say we, I'll even grant you, let, let's say we know 50% of what's going on. 50% of what's going on. You, you take that eight and a half percent, what's 50% of that? Four and a quarter. So I'm being extremely generous. We're lucky to know four and a quarter of what's going on with the Pittsburgh Steelers. We are lucky if we know that. Now, granted that, that, what we see is what we're supposed to be their best. And I'll get you. But well, like I said, I'm going to mention that again soon. So just remember when the Steelers, when the Steelers value someone like Chooks Accord for, and you're like, how can they trust him? He's so, for all you know, he is doing above and beyond what they are asking him to do. And it just has to be what they're asking him to do. Or it has to be what's going on in practice. Or it has to be what's going on with various things. There is so much more than what we know. And guess what? They don't become the greatest franchise of professional sports just by not knowing what to do. By not knowing what to do. So sometimes as a Steeler fans, you have to understand, hey, they they made that contract work and they really like him. Let's see if he really pans out. So we're going to take a quick break and I'm going to come back and tell you a little bit more about about why 
to not overemphasize what we see on, on the field, just in a little unique way. So we'll be right back. When my phone rings, you found someone new. surprise how life Steelers fans, we are back out of here with Steelers Stat Geek. I'm going off on some things a little bit, uh, not nearly as bad as what Jeff Hartman did on Let's Ride on Wednesday. You know, he was he was was uh, really going off on some of the reactions uh, of Steelers fans, but this kind of falls right in line with it. But uh, if you didn't check out that episode, make sure you do check out all all the the BTSE podcast, the morning, the noon. We've got the the. Uh, um, YouTube shows that are on YouTube and Facebook Live in the evening, but they're on the audio as well. They come out overnight, and they're all that there for you. Tons of content. Check it all out. We made a, a switch recently. We switched the live mic and the cutting room floor from which one's the morning and which one's the noon, simply because it's easier to have the West Coast guy do the noon show than the than the early morning show. So live mic is now at noon, and cutting and the cutting room floor is now early. So uh, I think most people understand why that came about. Uh, I honestly I don't know how we went that that long without switching it because uh, that was that was the one that was the that was <laughs> Brian Anthony Davis, the podcast producer, was struggling with the most because of that. So back to what we were talking about. I know some of you could respond and say, but Dave, oh yeah, we only see four and a quarter percent. Very generous. Chances are we only see that 1% in, in my opinion. But you're like, but that 1% of everything that they do on the field, that is what matters. You are right. That is what matters. You are exactly correct. That really is what matter. But so, But you can't even get there without everything else. You can't get there without everything else. And I'm, I'm going to share a little story. Because this past weekend, I actually had a chance to listen to Ben Roethlisberger speak um, at the Ignite Conference at Liberty University. He was not the only speaker there. It was great. I've, I've done one article about it. So much news has happened this week. I'll get to more of some of the stuff uh, Ben talked about at that conference um, when, when things died down a little bit. But he wasn't the only speaker there. Carson Wentz was there. He was already locked in before he got traded. So there, it was interesting to talk about that. But the other one was Hall of Fame quarterback Kurt Warner was there and speaking. And it was really interesting to see Kurt Kurt Warner and hear what he had to say because one of the things he talked about was his path. And if you haven't seen um, the his, what is it, American Underdog? I, I, I'm going to mess up the name of the movie, uh, the movie that he's in. I haven't seen it yet either, but I, I can't wait to see it. Um, but he talked about some of the stuff um, with that movie and just everything with his path to get there in general. And he was at Northern Iowa and he's there all the, all these years and he can't get on the field. He can't even be the starting quarterback at Northern Iowa. And I'm, I think it was his junior year. Maybe perhaps it was, he, you know, he, he was there and he had a good friend who was, you know, really in with the coaches. And he, he convinced his friend to say, go talk to the coaches and say, what's up with Kurt? Why can't Kurt get his chance? And he did. And he came back. He's like, I talked to him. He's like, I don't think you're going to like what they have to say. And he's like, and he's like, why? What, what is it? He's like, you don't do well in practice. 
you don't do well in practice. And that at that moment, Kurt Warner kind of went off and he, you know, on the little Allen Iverson, like practice, you're talking about practice, practice. Yeah. Practice, practice. Kurt Warner ends up being a hall of fame quarterback. And it was his practice and this preparation that was keeping him from even starting for Northern Iowa in college. That just tells you how important it is. So if the Steelers are the ones that practice and seeing these players play, you've got to think that they're seeing so much more than what we're able to see. Now, what was interesting, Kurt Warner said something that was, I'm just, I'm going to share it because it was, it, it, part of this story. And then, you know, him with the, with the stocking grocery shelves and on his way to try to get the NFL, this was something that he said that was very profound. I'm going to mess it up, not say it exactly, but it, in essence, it was this. He said, sometimes you've got to do what you've got to do in preparation to do what you were meant to do. Sometimes you just got to do what you got to do in preparation to what you're meant to do. And that was what was going on with Kurt Warner. He wasn't doing what he had to do. He wasn't the, he wasn't doing what he needed to do in practice. So let's get to some of these other questions here as we're running low on time. And they're, they're not, it's not going to be the huge diving into numbers questions, but uh, this, this came to me from, I'm going to mess up his name. Dave McLaughlin sent me an, uh, an email. He asked me three questions. Um, the second one, I told him it probably wouldn't be, it wouldn't happen, um, or it already happened before the show. And he wanted to know about J.C. Hassenauer being an exclusive rights free agent and when he would have to sign over the cap. Had that he was already signed. Uh, Spot Rack does not, or Sport, however you say it, they did not have him. Now the Steelers have not announced that he signed. They hadn't until the league year started. So if they're just. For all I know, there's an announcement with J.C. Hassenauer that's already come out. I don't know. All I know was that for him as an exclusive rights free agent, they had to decide they wanted him back by 4 p.m. And it was a cheap contract. I don't know why they didn't. So likely they did. But here was the first question. He said, what happens to a contract that has guaranteed dead or and which turns into dead money in it if it drops off the 51? Specifically, players like Percy, or sorry, Presley Harvin and Trey Norwood are sitting right at the bottom and ready to get bumped out of that top 51. He said, I assume the contract is just ignored and any dead money would not be assigned until the contract was actually cut by the team. That's a great question. And that's actually handled in different ways depending on the source. Like over the cap, they just bump those contracts out because they're not in the top 51, they don't count. The other one, spot spot track or sport, I, whatever they are. <laughs> Sorry that I keep messing that up. Um, they they count any player that's not in the top fifty one that ha- that would carry any dead money. They count that dead money on their salary cap number. To me, the way they do it, they don't count that dead cap hit until that player isn't on the team. So if you're not in the top fifty one, if they don't make if they if it's, let's say it's your seventh round draft pick and they have a very small signing bonus that has dead money, that dead money is not going to come into account until that player does not make the 53. Any, any dead money like that of someone that drops out of there, um, that just, it's just not accounted for until that player, until something else different is done with that player. It's just part of their salary cap number. So I hope that answers that question. Another question I had, um, was about um, 
Trubisky's contract, Mitch Trubisky's contract. He says, does the NFL count all potential incentives towards the cap number until the player does not reach them? Would his cap hit be much higher for the majority of the season since he could potentially earn more? Here's how this works with the NFL. I I explained it a little bit on our breaking news podcast, but I really want to hit this for my nerds of steel in case you didn't catch that one to know how it works. The Steelers don't usually do incentives in their contracts. This is something different. This is something I don't, I'm not going to say new. It's just not something they normally do. So there are two types of incentives in a contract, and it's not up to the team to decide what they are. There are the NFL deems these, these incentives as likely to be earned or not likely to be earned. If a player has an incentive of playing you know, in a game, that's likely to be earned. They're going to say, hey, all they got to do is, is be on the roster and they're going to get, um, an, you know, basically a roster bonus but f- per game. That's likely to be earned. That's what that is. That's likely to be earned that they're on the roster, whether they're on the field, just on the roster for the game, that's an incentive they're, they're, they're going um, to earn. Let's, uh, you know, those are the kinds of things like that. If it's something that's like win the Super Bowl, Make all pro, make the Pro Bowl. Those are not likely to be earned. There's not a lot of teams out there that are that, that do that. If if it's start X number of games, or a lot of these receivers, they have to they have to do um, so many receptions, so many yards. I'm not exactly sure how the NFL would determine them. If it was me, I would look at that at that player stats. And to see if these are statistics that this player usually lives up to or don't usually live up to. I don't know if the NFL takes it that far. That's up for them to decide. But they are the ones that determine if they're likely to be earned or not likely to be earned. If it is likely to be earned, it counts right now on the salary cap. Like roster bonuses. There you go. Um, per game. That that would count on the salary cap. Now, what happens if the player doesn't do it? If they don't, don't reach... A one that's not likely to be earned. We'll get to that in a second because let's figure out first what happens with the not likely to be earned. They do not count on this year's salary cap. Okay. And they will not at any time count on this year's salary cap. Just like the ones that are likely to be earned will not come off of this year's salary cap. The way it works with those incentives is they go toward the next season, no matter what. So if it's likely to be earned, and and you don't earn it, then that team should be receiving a credit the next season. If it's unlikely or not likely to be earned, like winning the Super Bowl, when Tom Brady, I don't know, was it $5 million or something that he got extra for winning the Super Bowl? I'm just throwing a number out there. Please don't quote me on that. That was a not likely to be earned incentive. That counts towards the Buccaneers' salary cap the next year. It, it You can't mess up the financials of a team like that in the middle of the season with something that's hanging over their head. Because, oh my goodness, next thing you know, the team players have a bunch of incentives for winning the Super Bowl. Oh, as soon as you win the Super Bowl, nope, you can't. That Nope, you have to take it away from you. That's a penalty for going over the salary cap. They're, they're not doing it that way. So it, anything that's not likely to be earned, if it is earned, instantly goes in to the salary cap for the following year. Basically, it rolls over in a similar way that a signing bonus does where if a player signs a a two-year contract with a $10 million signing bonus, 5 million counts this year, 5 million counts the other year of the contract. These, these incentives, it would just basically be part of 
of that quote unquote prorated bonus in a way, if you think of it in that manner is the best way to think of it. So no, um, the incentives, if, if the NFL deems these incentives as not likely to be earned, they cannot come on the salary cap this year. They would be on the salary cap next year. So I hope that answers that question. Um, a lot of information today and not as much of it as number driven as, as normal, but I try to use some numbers to make my point. Um, Sometimes we just got to trust the Steelers. If you don't like the the Chooks of Cora for signing, oh, well, I can see that he's not doing a good job. Well, I can see that sometimes he doesn't do a good job, and sometimes he does a much better job than what what people uh, don't think. But you can see that for a lot of players. All I know is that the Steelers see more of what they can do. As Kurt Warner said, the majority of what you do in the time that you spend in the NFL – or you know, or even playing college football is practice and not the game. So you've got to do, you've got to practice well in order for that to happen. So remember, when we're when we're watching the Steelers on the field, we're only seeing a small portion of everything that that player is doing. So thank you so much for joining me. Make sure you're checking out our podcasts. Uh, really appreciate it. We'll be with you again next Thursday. Might even have more players to talk about things of that nature. But most importantly, thanks for geeking out. With me. See you.